eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. You listen to Reception Perception uh, the Show. Uh, just a, I, I feel like I say this every other week, but just a wild, crazy, I mean, bonkers week 15 we had here, Matt, on a Sunday that just included some of the batshit craziest plays I have seen all year long. Oh, yeah, some absurd plays. And, oh, by the way, it was, uh, it was the second act. I mean, Saturday was insane, man. Uh, oh, between, yes. Absolutely. Right? Like, let's not forget we're sitting here recapping Sunday <laughs> games. All that stuff happened on Saturday to the point that, um, you know, freaking <laughs> I mean, the comeback with the Vikings. How many people, you know, were like, all right, well. I, I know I, I was like, I said to my wife, who, by the way, my poor wife, uh, well, number one, shout out to my, 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 not your my poor family, wife. all that, yeah, not my poor wife, Argentina yeah. wins the I world know, cup. Yeah. <laughs> so great, shout out to them. What a great hey. weekend of sports. What a great, great weekend, of, weekend sports. of sports. I love it. <laughs> yeah. My whole, uh, my, my wife is second generation. Her whole family came over from Argentina, you know, a couple decades ago, they've been in uh, California ever since. So, um, I had to miss the whole thing. Cause I was of course doing the show. Uh, in the morning. So I missed all the fun. But uh, yeah, shout out to Argentina. I know it was a very emotional day for uh, the entire family. That was awesome. But I say by poor wife, because of course, on Saturday morning, you know, we wake up and she's like, Oh, what are we going to do today? I'm like, well, well, let me tell you, (laughs) there's, there's three games on. Uh, not only are there, there's not only are three games on, they're staggered. Like that's what just is like the killer, you know, a total killer. It's a full slate. It's a 10 a.m., a 1 p.m., and a, and, a, and, a, and a 5 o'clock game here on the West Coast. Yeah. But – and we had we weren't going to a friend's house that we were going to have the game on on, on the, the late one. So that one I was off the hook on. But the, the first two, you know, the 10 a.m. start time, it's like, all right, well, let's dial down. Let's sit in here. But then, you know, 33 to nothing, and I say at halftime, like, all right, well, I know yeah. we got to run to the store to go get some stuff for this party tonight. So we can just get out of here. Might as well. Come home, and I'm like – Wait a second. <laughs> what what happened? going on here? So, yeah, uh, it was an absolutely insane week of football, insane week of NFL action, man. Um, and, and, yeah, it feels like we say that every week, but I feel like because of the Saturday thing and then because of some of the stuff that happened on Sunday, it was, it was crazy, man. Uh, but, but I'll say this, James. 
uh, and you know it kind of ties into the in- insanity of the whole weekend the, the the peak insanity moment of course had to be uh the raiders and and the patriots <laughs> and the finish to that game man i mean an all-timer i i don't think i think oh. we'll probably we won't live another hundred years, but we could live a, another hundred years watching NFL action and probably never see anything like the end of that game. Um, but man, I have to say, I, I took, I took some pleasure in the way that that ended for New England. Not because I'm some anti-Patriots person, you know, one of those folks out there, whatever. I could, I could not care less uh, for the most part about the Patriots. Have won a lot of Super Bowls. I need them to not succeed. Whatever, don't care. But. This is about that time of year, James, where um, I've said on the show, I'm having a lot of fun this season. I'm, I'm really loving football this year, loving my, all my work, that type of stuff. But this is definitely the time of year right around Christmas where I'm ready to um, I'm ready to cast off some of these teams. I'm ready to be I'm ready to be done with some of them. And New England this year, this this year's Patriots have to be right at the top of that list for me. I don't want to see them. I don't want to think about them. I don't want to see Mac Jones pissed off during games anymore. I don't want to have to think about how Matt Patricia is the offense coordinator of this team. So for Chandler Jones, former Patriot to literally push this group of this year's Patriots into the dirt, probably crushing their playoff chances, literally and figuratively. (laughs) I love, I love that. I appreciated it. You know, and it's, it's crazy too, right? Because um, that play by Keelan Cole, first of all, great catch, but for, come on, like, there's no way that's a catch. Half his foot is on the white. Like, there's no way that's a catch. And we were saying this in studio. Yeah. I mean, that play, not 99 times out of 100, 100 times out of a damn 100 times, that play goes to New England. What, like, New England always, 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 always gets the call. I cannot remember a time in the past 10, 12, 15 years, a call has gone, a a 50-50 call has gone against New England. And the crazy thing is, and the crazy thing, it's not even a 50-50 call. Like that, (laughs) Keely Cole was so clearly out of bounds. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, it's crazy. And I can't believe that call went against New England. And then that is actually what set up just the, like, what is Ramondre doing? What is Jacoby Myers doing? Like, what are we doing out here, Patriots? Well, I mean, that's the thing that grinds my gears. I'm just an old man, but I feel like it grinds my gears so much about this New England Patriots team is that, you know, oh, Bill Belichick, the Patriot way, you know, d- nobody practices situational football, you know, the fourth, fourth, four minute drill, two minute drill, you know, uh, this, this guy knows this guy's assignments and all every we're, we are so into the minor details. Oh, Bill Belichick, he loves special teams. He talks about special teams and all this stuff. There's all that crap. And then they have their freaking defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. And they're the, they have, they're the dumbest team in the NFL. I mean, that was extra dumb. By the way, Jacoby Myers, like smart player too, for like a guy yeah, who doesn't exactly. make a ton of mistakes. We know he's a good player uh, based on reception perception, like a solid guy that I think is, you know, he might be like the bell of the ball this off season in free agency at wide receiver. Cause the wide receiver free agent group is, Hey, I'm going to, I don't have an easy March, you know, usually first guys in reception perception <laughs> I publish is like the, yeah. the, the upcoming free agents. It should be a pretty relaxing March for me, or at least not a stressful <laughs> one uh, in terms of deadlines. Cause there's not a lot of interesting players to feature this year, but Myers, will be one of those guys. And Ramondre has been the most 
explosive, exciting, only explosive, exciting thing about the Patriots offense. And those two guys were the ones that did that at the end of the game. I mean, tough scene. (laughs) Tough scene, tough scene entirely. Uh, The way they played that play, Matt, I I felt like, I don't know, am I crazy to think that they actually didn't know what the score was? I, I mean, they weren't playing like they were tied. You see those kind of plays when you're down, right? Like, did they think they were down? Did they not know that the score was tied up? Because, man, that was just so wonky. I have no idea about this. the Stevenson part of it. I don't know about, but Myers, at least after the game, came out and like took all the blame, said, you know, this is on me. I made the mistake. Um, and, you know, he, he said, like, when Ramondre pitched it back to me, I just thought I could make a play. And to his credit, you know, Myers is a guy who's like thrown touchdown passes. He's 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 a has a co- collegiate quarterback history. Right. He almost right. made that throw. <laughs> he all, he almost got it there. Like when you actually look at the all twenty two angle, I think Bill Barnwell p- tweeted this out. Like, yeah, <laughs> Mac Jones then, is not even in the frame, and he almost got it to like he. So, so he's, he's so far out of the picture that the all twenty two angle Mac is out of the play, and then they throw he throws the ball back to him. But yeah, I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, the thing about, we were talking about this too. I mean, God, I mean, I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but it was such a crazy play, but like we were talking about this after the show and it's like, okay, let's say he gets the ball there. Like what in the hell is Mac Jones going to do with that ball? <laughs> what is Mac Jones going to, of all people, what is Mac Jones going to do with that ball? You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand like i said like i said it's like you see that play all the time when the team is down and they just need like you know a cal stanford miracle finish right but like no that's not what we got you know it's you know it's despicable too in terms of like what what could mac jones have done mac jones what a terrible game i mean just just in general oh Um, jesus and and i think like the the ending of this the ending of this game really masks what was a disgusting effort for New England. I mean, Mac Jones averaged 2.5 yards per rush attempt. He barely cleared that from a passing standpoint. He averaged 3.6 oh yards per pass. I mean, against the Raiders, dude. The Raiders. This is not a good defense. So, James, before we before we move on from this and get into like yeah. the meat of the show and all that, because I said yeah. like the Patriots got to be up there in terms of teams I'm ready to cast off into the wilderness cast off into the wilderness and like of course i'm not talking about like the texans okay come on like you don't need to beat up on the texans but like yeah 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 who are who are like some of your i'm ready to be done with this team which do we can't that's the thing about the patriots like we can't be done with them yet because they are kicking around the fringes of the playoff mix like who's some who's some of those contenders for you because i think it's good to therapeutic to talk about this stuff (laughs) bro i'm like i'm just about done with the ravens man i I can't watch this team anymore you know and it's like i think they're it's such a high profile team and again uh, we go back to the similarities between the 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 patriots as well just i mean just so they've been so successful for so long not to the patriots level but right there with them right they're clearly one of the premier franchises uh in the nfl harbaugh great coach but man, this team is just, I mean, they're dead. I mean, they're bereft yeah. of playmakers. They're so injured. Their defense is not very good. And they just get into these like slogs. Like it seems mm-hmm. like every single week, a Baltimore game is just a slog, man. So I think the Ravens are, are that team for me. And um, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm like, I can't watch these Ravens games anymore, man. It's just, it's a tough watch. Yeah, that made it made um, Saturday easier that they were the the middle team because it was like, okay, 
let's get <laughs> like we can we don't have to look at this one too closely and and there were several times during the game where it's like oh tyler huntley you know he's not playing that bad of a game his receivers are letting him down it's like well no shit look at his receivers <laughs> you know i actually had the i actually had the thought this morning when sammy watkins got cut by the packers which oh my god i was you know i was like oh he was in baltimore last year maybe <laughs> maybe maybe he'll, he'll come sammy back watkins. i mean it'll be, Sam- in- it'll be sammy watkins and deshaun jackson just running around out there oh my god but Good yeah, I'm Lord. with you, man. And the Ravens are, they're never going to be so bad that like somebody's going to go in there and blow them away because they are actually good. Like in situational football stuff they're you know, they, they go for fourth downs, whatever their yeah. defense is still pretty good. But I mean, this offense is, it's, it's a, it's like an act against human. It's a crime against <laughs> humanity. What's going on in that offense there? Like so bad, the fact dude. It, the fact that J.K. Dobbins is out there, and, and look, Dobbins has even said like he's not he's not all the way back. He doesn't have his burst, that type of stuff. But at least yeah. it makes it like, all right, well, it's a it's worth watching the Ravens to at least see if J.K. Dobbins can can sort of put himself in position to have a bounce back twenty twenty three. But like with Lamar, I'm almost like glad that Lamar's not out there. He doesn't have to deal with this stuff. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't even like what's the point? What is the point That's of playing on, with this offensive group? Give me I mean, over the over the last five games, dude, they've averaged thirteen point eight points per game. Thirteen point eight. That's it Broncos ish. That's very Broncos ish, dude. I mean, and and that's in 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 like it's it's funny, right? Because like Lamar gets hurt, and people were like, "Oh, well, this really, you know, uh, an injury like that could, you know, kind of slow his." his market in the off season. And then it's like, well, no, actually look at what this offense looks like without Lamar. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. Okay. They go from like scoring like, you know, 20 ish points a game to 13.8. Like, nah, dude, the, this, I, I I think the injury actually helps Lamar uh, in the off season, if you ask me. So I don't know, but certainly man, it is just, it, like I said, they just drag people into the dirt uh, with them into the mud and they're just slinging it man it's just it's it's a tough tough watch dude baltimore is for sure but i agree with you the patriots too like like as, as soon as they're mathematically eliminated good you know like good. i don't need to be watching we're all we're all better for it it's unfortunate that i think like tampa bay is right up there for me like i don't want to even i don't want to consider the bucks i don't want to think yeah, about yeah, them yeah, but yeah. They, we're gonna have to watch them in a playoff game i mean because they're gonna win the nfc south like Yep. Sam Darnold, come on, enough of that already with the Panthers. Like, that was cute. We, I, don't even let me think about the Saints or the Falcons, whatever. But, like, so we're going to have to watch Brady a playoff game. And I'm just terrified that he'll, like, win a playoff game and, and we'll, we'll have to watch him again just because he's Tom Brady and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm so terrified of that. But they have to be the most, like, they have to be the most frustrating team to watch in the NFL. And they're so bad and they're so boring. And, oh, man, I, I, I'm – um, they're definitely up there for me, man. They're definitely Dude, up there. Dude, I would not be surprised. I mean, we've seen the story a million times in the NFL. Like, old aging quarterback gets into the postseason, like, just barely dragging ass in there. And then they get into that first round, and they just get stomped out. And I know we've come to expect Tom Brady to, you know, have good competitive games and, like, win close games in the playoffs. We're just, We're just, like, literally just, that's in our DNA now. Like mm-hmm. 20 years of this shit of Tom Brady just winning close games in the freaking playoffs, no matter what. For some reason, the other team makes some stupid play. His kicker is able to kick some 60 yard field goal for the win. And of course, it's all Tom Brady. I mean, it's just 
We're, it's it's literally in the fabric of our football DNA to come to expect this. But that being said, how many aging quarterbacks have we seen also go into the postseason and just get sparked out? Uh, you know, and, and it's like we're like, oh, where did that magic go? It's like, nah, it's it's gone. It's gone forever. Um, so I actually wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay makes it to the postseason and they lose like 55 to 10 or something in the postseason. Because again, we have seen it before. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. We go from an aging quarterback to a quarterback that is in his prime, but he's banged up. We're talking about Jalen Hurts. Uh, breaking news here on this uh, Monday afternoon, but uh, could miss one to two weeks here. Uh, for Philadelphia and you know I guess what are your thoughts on what that means for the Philadelphia offense I mean we're gonna (laughs) I to be honest with you not that I'm happy that he's hurt but like I'm not mad that I get to see Gardner Minshew running around and just being an absolute goofball out there uh no yeah yeah you can you can stand alone on that uh, that island I'm I'm not interested I'm not interested in Gardner Minshew and and his his nonsense uh infecting the waters of um, AJ Brown or Devonte Smith or anything like that. Um, I mean, shoot, I'll tell you what, I hope they hope they run, run the ball a lot. I could, I could use a lot more <laughs> points next round in my dynasty league than 1.9 from Miles yeah. Sanders. I'll tell you oh. that. Oh boy. Uh, but, um, the soul Miles Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I mean, but that's all right. We're going to, we're going to move on. That's okay. Uh, no, no worries. No worries. Miles We'll still appreciate you, buddy. Uh, but, yeah, man, I think this is tough because, uh, I mean, it's real tough for fantasy. And it's tough for Jalen Hurts, obviously, he, who's making an MVP push, right? Because yeah. he's, yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, it feels like Patrick Mahomes, who's, you know, not not even sniffing 30 yet, not even, um, you know, he's won one MVP. It's not as if he's like, I know. Prime. And people still seem like, ah, well, anyone else? Well, I, any, is anyone else here? <laughs> Stand up. Will anyone else please? We'd love it to just not be Mahomes, but like, come on. I mean, I think he's only won one. It's like, I I think, I think Mahomes for me is the MVP and he should be the runaway favorite for MVP. But Hertz was making that like narrative based push, the surprising factor push. Um, Now I think he probably, I'd be prepared for him to miss this week for sure. Week 16 for sure against Dallas. And like week 16 as well. And then it's like, okay, we, the season season's over week 18, right? Like the, the Eagles are still most likely going to moonwalk into the moonwalk into the one seed. Uh, Cause they still have a good team even beyond Jalen hurts. And like, what, I think there's a non 0% chance. We just don't even see him until the playoffs. Right. Like, which is, ter- which is terrifying for, 
for anybody invested in Hertz in any way. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Just so much of what they've done this year. And I, I do give Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff credit, uh, Shane Steichen, the offense coordinator, they've been very chameleon-esque since they got there. Uh, they've changed their identity on the fly before we've seen that. Um, yeah. but still at the same time, it's just Hertz is so central to every, everything that they do there. Like, I don't think Jalen Hurts is like a system quarterback. He makes this current, at least the current system, he makes it go. So I don't know what it looks like with Gardner Minshew back there. It's a little, it's a little troublesome. Well, I mean, there's going to, I mean, not be, you know, any RPOs or anything like that. Gardner Minshew, just a, a classic, you know, pocket um quarterback although he's got some you know he's got some functional mobility he likes to scramble around a little bit he doesn't have the biggest arm in the whole world but I, I mean he's like a small undersized dude but like you know he can he could make plays outside of the pocket he's got like this weird self-confidence about him as well he's definitely in know. the he's definitely in the heineke division like the poor man's ryan fitzpatrick division uh for sure but he's not he's not quite i think people compare him to fitz because he's like a a caricature of a quarterback and Fitz definitely yeah, had some of that weirdo. To- total weirdo. Yeah. I mean, um, hurts yeah. definitely. Ha- I mean, excuse me, uh, Fitzpatrick definitely had some of that stuff there, but no, nah, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, I think he's very much like a, um, kind of that prototypical, almost like a Colt McCoy esque type of guy, like a, a t- like more of a rhythm quarterback. That's timing based West coast stuff. Like there's just so much that the Eagles did based on who Jalen hurts is. And like, how, how awesome have they been? on go routes this year on just straight up vertical right. shots. And that's definitely not in Gardner Minshew's bag. And he's Jalen Hurts bag. So right. um, some of the, the good thing is like, I think, you know, Gardner Minshew probably more of like a over the middle thrower, more of like a timing route type of guy. I think mm-hmm. some of what AJ Brown did in Tennessee can be sort of replicable in that way. Right. Like, uh, yeah, I think that that's probably an easier adjustment than just because we've seen Brown be dominant in that way uh, before he was like more of a dominant outside the numbers receiver this year. Yeah. AJ Brown. Uh, what is he? Uh, nine receptions on 16 targets, 181 uh, on this game Sunday, third game this season with 150 plus receiving yards, obviously a huge big, big play threat, but um, man, he eats up a lot of targets too, right? 8.4 targets per game, 5.3 receptions per game, 85.8 receiving yards per game. And man, you talk about the touchdowns, 10 touchdowns through 14 games for AJ Brown. Incredibly impressive. Um, I'm just trying to figure out who do you think it <clears throat> hurts or helps more Gardner Minshew throwing to AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, break up that little, you know, tandem for me. Who, who do you think gets impacted the most? I mean, I think obviously it would probably be Devontae Smith just because of uh, the target pecking order and stuff like that. But you know what terrifies me? The, the Eagles had become so nice and tidy from like a fantasy perspective, from a yes. projection standpoint. And last game against the Bears was really almost like a, like a, funhouse mirror of that because it was so extreme aj brown and Devonte smith combined for 300 plus yards nobody else cleared <laughs> 10 receiving yards i mean they have been you know my old yeah. thing i uh, just just throw it to your good players i said it last yeah. night during a sunday night game when it was like oh terry mclaurin coming out of halftime <laughs> this guy is good we ought to throw it to him more often it's like yeah no kidding huh just just throw it to your good players the eagles have been the best like just throw it to your good players offense all year and when Dallas Goddard was involved or when he was out there, he was involved as well. And nobody else. I am terrified that Gardner Minshew is going to come out there and we're suddenly going to get like six Quez Watkins targets or, you know, six, 
backup <laughs> tight end targets or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah Zach Pascal uh, is going to get, you know, five looks or something like that. That would be really, that would be unforgivable. Okay. I can't forgive you for that Garner Minshew. If you mess up the flow and the rhythm of what has been the best, just throw it to your good players offense we've ever seen perhaps. Oh yeah. There's yeah, there's definitely that. Um, and yeah, Dallas, uh, you know, Goddard wasn't out there there in week 15. I think they're taking it slow with uh, such a big lead in their division. And, um, and quite frankly, they just look like clearly the best team, uh, in the NFC and they're getting ready for a deep postseason run. No doubt about it. We stay in that division though. Jahan Dotson had a huge game. You, you spoke of it briefly here. Um, you know, Washington taking on the, the, the New York football giants here, but a big game. Uh, here on Sunday Night Football, right? Like he had, uh, what is it, four catches for 105 and a touchdown. Actually, it was his first 100-yard game of the season. Uh, and man, we say this about like uh, somebody like uh, uh, Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. That's all this guy does, though. Six touchdowns on 41 targets. It's a 14.6% touchdown rate. Uh, that's almost triple of what the league average is in terms of, you know, touchdowns to target ratio, which is just under 5%. So Jahan Dotson, man, he's, um, he's making big, big plays for this Washington offense, man, Jahan Dotson. Is he not just taking every like wide receiver sizest and like giving him a noogie or stuffing <laughs> him in a locker right now? Because you take, right. if you, if you told the sizes, then, you know, yeah. these people would drive me nuts. Like the, everything about wide receivers, all about it, your size, whatever. It's like six, 16 air yards per target last night against the Giants. Two end zone targets. You mentioned all the touchdowns he's been catching all year long. I mean, the guy is unbelievable at the catch point. If you showed the people those like stats or whatever, be like, oh, he's got to be 6'2". Got to be. Got to be 220. No, he's not. He's just a baller. <laughs> he's, a, he's tiny, but he is the man, dude. I'm telling you, yeah. this guy – what a what a a flair for the dramatic he's got at the catch point, but it's it's a skill set, man, and that that's who he was at college. You could not you could not misjudge somebody more based on their size than Jahan Dotson because this was the guy he was in college, man. I mean, his reception perception profile. I said he had the best hands in the entire draft this year. He had some of the best contested catch chops. And he's a good route runner. He was great against zone coverage in his reception perception profile in college. Now he's was a little bit uh, up and down uh, in his first few games in the rookie report, but still right around league average in terms of separation. But um, he's getting, he looks great now that he's healthy uh, now that he's like fully integrated. And, and these last two games, 15 combined targets before, and then the game after the bye. I think this guy is going to be a really good player. Um, and him and Terry McLaurin just make such a, a fascinating duo, man. But hey, I, I love Jahan Dotson because I just love how he is just obliterating these wide receiver size <laughs> stereotypes, bro. I mean, the guy is what? – what is he actually? He's like sub 180 pounds, something like yeah. that, Jahan Dotson. At the, combine, at the combine, he measured in 5'11", 178. That is small. But look at it. But look at how he plays at the catch point. Look at how he – uh, He's so he's has complete and total comfort with somebody right there in his hip pocket. I, I think he is very we, we talked about Tyler Lockett on a recent show and called him like the best deep ball tracker in the NFL. Mm -hmm. John Dotson is very much like 
I think he's he's going to be in that regard sooner or later. The way he is uh, so comfortable tracking tracking the ball in short areas, in tight spaces, down the field, like his touchdown catch. Obviously, the the big sixty plus yarder that from Heineke yeah. there was was impressive. You know, way, the way he adjusted to that. But in, that is touchdown insane. Catch, his ability to adjust to that ball, um, and he abuses defenders deep downfield because defenders don't have that body control and he does right yeah. and he almost looks like he's big brothering them at like 511 178 you know what i mean he just kind of brushes them off to the side and's like oh let me just step in there and 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 grab that ball uh, it's just yeah deep ball tracking certainly is there and man the body control the hand-eye coordination yeah. is just ah oh, unbelievable his touchdown catch, I think, was a great example of uh, just body control because you know, he runs a great route in man coverage against the defender on the as an outside receiver, and you know gets him to gets him to he flips him across his face, comes inside, but and the ball is a little bit behind him, a little bit late, but he's able to stop and adjust and grab it in tight spaces there. Like I would consider that to be like a potential contested catch as well. I just think he's such a fun player. I don't again, I don't really know where his ceiling is, stuff like that, but. Him and McLaurin make such an awesome duo, and and Samuel's a great, um, you know, third receiver there for them to have. I wish, I wish Washington, if I had, could have one complaint about their offense, and I'm like weirdly invested in all of these Washington receivers, and you know, I've got a thing with Taylor Heineke, like go to use finest, the whole thing. So yeah, 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 I care, yeah, yeah. I care about Washington. I, I like Scott Turner. Scott Turner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got Brian Robinson on like all my dynasty teams because I thought he was like you know, getting a lot of disrespect for being a third round pick and like a kind of a good grinder back they needed. But man, if they could just take the Curtis Samuel rushing plays and fire those into the sun, I would be happy, man. <laughs> I mean, you got a big bruising back and Brian Robinson, stop running Curtis Samuel up the gut. Like if you want to get the ball to Curtis, just throw it to him. He's a good receiver. Just stop him with the rushing plays. Yeah. I mean, or even like the Sean McVay little, you know, pop passes or like the, the jet sweeps or something, something that, that tests the defense on the, on the boundaries. I, I totally agree with you. Um, and plus too, it's like, you know, I, I mean, they're slowly making Brian Robinson a focal point of the run game. And it's like, they still have in their back pocket, Antonio Gibson, um, a guy that can make plays out of the backfield as a receiving back too. So um, no, they actually have a very interesting um set of pass catchers which is why i'll ask you this man is this a low-key good spot for somebody like tom brady or even like i know look fantasy land like lamar jackson's i mean it would be interesting if he like tested the free agent market which i it sounds like he wants to do but there's no way baltimore's not yeah, like no way they're not gonna let him do that you know they're gonna yeah. franchise tag him in like a heartbeat if if it if they don't get to a um if they don't get to a number, right? But I'm just saying, like, fantasy land, like, oh man, would it be interesting if Lamar Jackson ended up in like Washington or something, you know? Um, but it's a low-key great spot. I feel like they're a quarterback away from this offense just going freaking crazy. Need to fix the offensive line a little bit. It's a it becomes more of an issue with Heineke back there because he's a big time fumble risk. Like he is a he's a turnover, like a disaster waiting to happen at any moment. Right. Um be, just because he's a he's such a limited player and he doesn't he doesn't seem to, which you, you got to respect him for it. Doesn't seem to understand he's a limited player, but uh, he is <laughs> he a limited player. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't seem to understand that fact, but uh, yeah. they could definitely use better pass protection for sure. I kind of wonder, like, I mean, Washington now, you know, this, this loss to New York really hurts their playoff chances. God, um, they got for sure. screwed. 
Yeah, for sure. It, it hurts their playoff chances by a lot. Um, but And now they go to San Francisco next week. Then they have Cleveland and Dallas to finish the season. So they're probably on the outside looking in. Is that enough for, you know, ownership, which is embroiled in a lot of nonsense, of course. Um, is that enough for them to want to make a change from Ron Rivera? Um, you know, who's the coaching staff there? But yeah, no, if I was a quarterback or even like an Aaron Rodgers like type situation, if he wanted to get out of Green Bay, they wanted to part ways in the offseason. Yeah, I'd love to I'd love to see a quarterback with this team. Now with Brady, I, I this comes back to my Bucks frustration. Um, as much as I think you know, Brady's still got something left in the tank. He so badly needs a good offensive line. And I don't think Washington, you know, Charles Leno is a solid player, but he got beat up last night with Kayvon Thibodeau on the other side. Um, he would get crushed. And, and and then we'd be, we'd be kind of frustrated just like we are now with Tom Brady with great receivers. And he's just <laughs> trying to get the ball out so fast and nobody's on the same page timing wise, rhythm wise, because Brady's got the quickest trigger finger um, in the NFL right now of getting the ball out fast. So yeah, it's, that gives me mixed feelings, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you that well, that's why the, as ill-advised as it was, that's why they made the Carson Wentz move because it was like, let's get a veteran quarterback in here. Who, somebody who's got a, got more of an arm than Taylor Heineke and see if he can open up this offense. And because Wentz is Wentz and they just misevaluated that so hard, obviously it didn't work out. Geno Smith. In Washington, is that what? Uh, it could be a little. That'd be pretty fun. That would be that would be pretty fun. That's a, that is the type of situation where I think Gino like airing it out to these guys, you know, definitely could be great. And I mean, man, it just like I said, I like Scott Turner. I like the design of the offense for the most part. I think they do a lot of yeah. fun, creative hmm. things. The personnel is great. Um, Brian Robinson, good back. The, I mean, Terry McLaurin. We we know. I feel like Terry McLaurin is knocking on the door to be considered a superstar receiver in this league. And then John Dotson's like a perfect two. Samuel's a perfect three. They would be totally unlocked if they just had a legitimate quarterback. But it's um, there's just so much crap with Washington. And, and this, the, know. are they going to be able to attract a big ticket there? Like, <laughs> if you're Brady, do you want to do you want to like fish? Is that that, that really you want to be fishing in that pond for the last few years of your career or whatever? Like that's kind of that's kind of dicey um the Lamar thing narrative, is interesting narrative wise though that, that it's a perfect fit because Washington always brings in these aging quarterbacks it's like it's either it's either going to be Washington yeah. or like the Raiders <laughs> for, for Tom the Raider, Brady you know but what about like yeah so how about that though in a hypothetical scenario the um the Raiders want to bring in Tom Brady because Josh McDaniel by the way another team that has a bad offensive line and, and a bunch of weapons um they want to bring in Brady whatever Josh McDaniels is there they let they put Derek Carr on the trade block. Like that's a move I would be interested in if I was Washington. Now is Derek Carr an elite quarterback? No. Is he he's top ten, maybe fringy top ten, twelve, whatever? Like there's probably a ceiling with Carr, but my God, I mean again, we just want somebody to come in here and be legitimate. Oh my god. That would be, be a massive really boost. Massive yeah. boost at the quarterback position if they got Derek Carr, man. No doubt about it. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. 
Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. This seems like so hot takey, but... If I'm if I am Lamar, and clearly he's okay with like taking a taking the big risk on himself, betting on himself, whatever, being you know, kind of playing fast and loose with the contract situation, I would I would definitely try to hold Baltimore over the barrel a little bit. There's only so much that you can do, right? Because they have the franchise tag and they control your rights and all that type of stuff. But right. I would definitely be like, look, I'm not showing up until you show some kind of commitment to to making to building a different offense around me. I don't know if I, I don't know how, what Lamar thinks about the fact that they run out the goofiest wide receiver room in the <laughs> NFL um, or, you know, their, the, the design yeah. of their passing offense is so stale and the whole Greg Roman thing. I'm not trying to sit here and be like, we got to get Greg Roman fired and then all their problems are solved. I think, I think Lamar certainly is not blameless and in, in the dysfunction of the Ravens offense at times or the, or the inefficiency of the Ravens passing offense at times. But I'm just saying if I'm Lamar and you're to your point, look at what this offense looks like without him. I mean, it wasn't that great with him and now it's like XFL caliber without him. I would at least think about in the off season, trying to really swing it around and be like, Hey buddy, I'm, uh, you know, John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, Steve Bishotti. I'm not taking one snap in practice i'm not showing up one day before week one i will go i'll he'll, i'll go full aaron Rodgers, you know um <laughs> unless you show a commitment to building a real modern nfl offense their stuff is is was great to it's just like with greg roman with colin kaepernick right like yep. it was great to get him off the ground and i think kaepernick stalled out as a player it's a whole nother thing we can relitigate but like i think kaepernick stalled as a player i don't think lamar stalled out as a player but this offense is absolutely stalled out and which it always does with Greg Roman. Well, I think, I think the Greg Roman offense is really good. If you actually have a, a roster that's constructed like this, that's bereft of a lot of playmakers. Actually, I think he does a great job getting the most out of an, uh, a below average offense and making them more league average. But if you want to take that next step to your point, can they then elevate their games? And it's like, yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think Greg Roman's that dude. You know, I don't think Greg Roman's ever going to have an offense that's scoring, you know, 28, 29, 30 points a game. I just don't I just don't see it. Um, yeah. And, but I think he has done a good job, you know, kind of guys outperforming their talent level. Um, you know, on 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 the our direct TV show that I do. I was, I was bringing this up that like Baltimore needs to go in and I thought they failed this off season because they didn't get enough pass catchers. And, and you know, the counter argument to that from my co-hosts were, 
Well, I mean, can you really blame Baltimore because they drafted Marquise Brown and then they drafted, uh, they spent a high draft pick on Rashad Bateman. Isn't that enough? And I'm like, no, it's not because you can have marquee guys. You can have the Hollywood Browns and the Rashad Batemans, but that's not what an offense, that's not what a good offense looks like. A good offense features, has a feature uh, wide receiver and then good complementary pieces as mm. well. And those are the guys that you find in the third, fourth, fifth round, veterans that you bring in, complementary pieces that you can kind of sort of, you know, just you throw it all in there and then when you mix it all up and then, you know, you have Lamar as the as the the, the straw that stirs the drink, that's when you get a good offense. You can't just be a, a one-off pick in the first round. Like that's not what a good offense makes, you know what I mean? No, I think you're right about that. And, you know, to your point, like I think this is perfectly representative. I I have said all along that Rashad Bateman was a huge difference maker and they were counting on him to not just stay healthy, which he didn't do, but also to take like to take the next step and be a legit alpha receiver, which I think he's capable of. I think he was showing signs of that in the first three weeks, but still you go back to weeks one through three in the season. Um, Demarcus Robinson's running around on 44% of the dropbacks. You know, this is not like Demarcus Robinson has popped up lately after the Rashad Bateman injury. Demarcus Robinson was a guy that they took off the street when the Raiders cut him. You know, yes. I mean, Devin Duvernay is run around on 56 or 50, 58% of the dropbacks in the first three weeks of the season. Devin Duvernay is like clearly a specialty player. So, so to your point, like they have two top guys there in Andrews and Bateman, but you know, Bateman still, I, I, as much as I like him, is an, was an unproven player. Like We didn't know where his ceiling or floor was as a clear-cut wide receiver one coming to the season. Again, I agree with the Ravens. I also would have bet on the talent, but let's say he got hurt. Like, he did get hurt, and now yeah. look at what we're dealing with here, you know? So, yeah, right. your point is extremely well taken that it's – but I, I do think there's something to – not necessarily Lamar. Like, I think guys would probably want to play with Lamar, but – do they really want to like veteran receivers? Do they really want to go like, and not veterans like Demarcus Robinson who are like, shoot, I got cut in the offseason. I got to sign. I mean, <laughs> who, who wants me? Uh, but like guys that aren't on the fringes of their career, guys who are trying to, you know, make money, make second, you know, second contracts, third contracts, whatever. Do they want to go to Baltimore where they're so conservative and so run heavy that you're probably never going to put up big numbers? I think that's a question too. I think I think that's a, a great point that you're making. And I think when you look at Jalen Hurts now, right, where you're like, okay, this this guy clearly developed as a passer, uh, but obviously was known mostly as a primarily a running quarterback. They were running a run heavy system there in Philadelphia, but then they opened it up, right? And now guys like Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, they're they're collecting hundred yard games on the regular. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, you're right. They can alter this a bit. Um, and still have the legs of Lamar Jackson be a weapon for them, but not that's not the focal point of their offense. I, and I think that's a really good point um, uh, that you're making there, that it's Baltimore needs to make a schematic thing with change. Josh Allen. It's the same thing with Josh Allen and Buffalo, where mm-hmm. players aren't as dumb as fans uh, can be sometimes, where it's like, I mean, again, I, I – Go pull up the tweets, you know, AJ Brown at draft night. Like I'm getting all excited, but it's like all the replies are too bad. His quarterback's a running back too bad. He doesn't have a quarterback too bad. His quarterback can't throw. And obviously now we're talking about Jalen hurts. What a massive loss this is. He's an MVP candidate. Um, right. You know, just that's boat. That's bozo stuff. Same thing with like, when I talked to Steph Diggs, this offseason, he's like, 
I remember the things that they were saying to me about Josh Allen, you know, and like how much I was going to hate playing with Josh Allen because he's so inaccurate, all that. And like they're the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL by a lot right now. Yeah. Um, So players have more of an imagination about that stuff and, and, and the way that these guys like, yeah, I'm sure AJ Brown looks at Jalen Hurts and he's like, yeah, I can get in there and I can, I'll show everybody how good he is because I'm not Jalen Rager, by the way, Jalen Rager, bro. (laughs) How about that on, how about that against the Colts? How about that? That was tough. Um, Jaylen, like, I'm not Jalen Rager on the other end of those passes. I'm going to make, I'm going to make Jalen hurts look good. I'm sure there's plenty of veteran receivers that would be like, yeah, I know oh, Lamar's a gamer. Like Lamar's a baller. I, I would love to play with him. Uh, they don't, let me tell you what, there's not a bunch of wide receivers out there being like, Oh, pretty good for a running back or whatever. Um, I think there's a lot, there would be a lot of excitement about that, but I think they see the the offense and that might be, that might be a limiting factor because um, unlike with what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts last year, this is not a coaching staff in Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, that had for years put – this is Greg Roman's third stop as an offensive coordinator. Like, pe- we know what the Greg Roman offense is. So, right. I don't know. Just a, just a thought that, like, I, I feel like the Ravens are at this point if I was if I was a better podcaster, I would have said this at the top when we were talking about this and not completely derailed us. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think uh, I, I just think it's like, can the Ravens really just go into next year, like franchise Lamar and be like, hey, we're running all back next year. Same type of stuff. Let's just hope everybody stays healthy. I feel like that's like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and yeah. over again since 2018 and expecting different results. No, you're right. Um, I think you're 100% right. And even if they bring in another voice, um, like a passing game coordinator or something, you know, to kind of just mix it up a little bit, maybe challenge Greg Roman um, in that coaching room. And and if that's too disruptive, then just move on from Greg Roman. I mean, come on, dude. Like you guys have had you you've you've given this guy enough years to make it work. And obviously it is not working. Um, By the way, Tyreek Hill is another guy uh, where. It, he he has that mentality of like, nah, I'm yeah. going to go in and, and make my quarterback better. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. How about all the things he said this offseason to the point where I, I was like, Tyreek, maybe maybe dial it back a little, you know, pal? 100%. Maybe don't. 100%. Have you ever heard of, what did 100%. I say? I said it on this show. No. Have you ever heard of the phrase um, under promise and over deliver? Uh, yep. to, nope. to be fair to him, though, they pretty much have delivered on their, uh, on yes. all of Tyreek Hill's promise. I wouldn't say that. Um, I, well, that I don't know. By some, you know, metrics, uh, I mean, Tua has been like number one in EPA per dropback for you know, it's a variety of different metrics. He's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. Obviously, right. thanks to the players he's playing with, but that's the point, right? Like, it's a little bit of both. Uh, people are wrong about Tua, but also like, and the same thing with Jalen Hurts. People are wrong about Jalen Hurts, but getting a superstar wide receiver helps. I'm sure you know for for the Ravens and and these guys. Like, it it really comes back to your point of like, okay. You just can't be like a joke at wide receiver two through five. Uh, even if you mm-hmm. have a guy you feel really good about at one, you can't look at Philadelphia. They have a great, great one B receiver in Devonte Smith. Look at Miami, a potential one B receiver in Jalen Waddle. You can't be like, well, we'll have this guy, but wide receiver two, shoot, just pick some goofball up off the street. We're mostly going to have him run block anyways. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's not even like Rashad Bateman's on the level of AJ Brown or Tyreek Hill, for God's sake. No, you know? it's yeah, like, you'd be Christ lucky man. if he was. Yeah, yeah, you'd be, you'd be doing backflips, oh, and yeah, I, I don't even think he would be that. And it's, even if I love, I and I do still love Rashad Bateman, I, and I like what I saw out of him in the first three weeks of the season. Um, 
<laughs> but his ceiling still, is not he, Tyreek Hill, you know? Come on. No, no. And if he was even even if he was AJ Brown good, if he was ever going to be AJ Brown good, he wouldn't be that by the end of his second season. That's outrageous. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh speaking of the Dolphins, um, we came into last week wondering, okay, this is a week against Buffalo. Uh, I don't want to say it's make or break, but from a narrative standpoint, they had to show something after back-to-back weeks of looking like absolute dog water offensively. Now, against Buffalo, they did open it up a little bit, and I tell you what, they looked pretty good against a really solid defense in Buffalo um, on the road in weather, too. Yeah, on the road in weather. And you know, it's kind of funny, James. I think that I came out of this game feeling better about both teams. Um, I felt good about Josh Allen, dude. I, I, I just love, I just love Josh Allen. I love watching he's him play. Insane. I love, he's so, he just plays like a psychopath. Okay. And that's, that's yep. fun to watch. You know, that's that he just gives, gives no dams about anything going on. It's, it's a great, it's great stuff, but I felt better about their offense, which I had a lot of questions about. I felt better about, um, I mean, the defense I think is, is still a good unit, um, but I felt really good, particularly about Miami, um, because this was, I think, a pretty big adjustment for them. Um, this was not the the same sort of stuff that we saw in the early part of the season. They didn't have those same like that one RPO play that they have, uh, you know, the, the big wheel route RPO play with the intermediate with the deep dig stuff like that. It wasn't all that same stuff. A lot of it was. You know, the big play to Jalen Waddle came on a long pass outside the numbers. I thought that was impressive adjustment from Tua, but also Mike McDaniel, like recommitting to the running game was surprised. Like, I, you know, if you told me that Raheem Mostert was going to have this right. big game on the road in a weather contest, like I would have thought, you know, well, well, November me would have been like, no, that's not what Miami is doing. That's there and, and fl- fling it all over the yard, zone coverage, beating stuff like that. But if you said that to August me, I'd probably be like, yeah, of course. That's what Mike McDaniel, run game coordinator, coming from San Francisco. That's what he would have done. So I came away from this game thinking like that was another good feather in Mike McDaniel's hat to you know, bust out that running game and almost debut the offense that I thought this team was going to have, um, taking deep shots on play action and real physical run game stuff as opposed to, uh, as opposed to what we got in the first few weeks of the season. You know, um, I think – what we saw those two weeks where Miami's offense was struggling, you had brought this up that, you know, defense were like, you know what, man, we're going to play man to man. We're going to do a little press um, at the line. And we saw a lot of press coverage uh, in this Buffalo game as well. I don't know if from a schematic standpoint, Matt, that I don't necessarily know if I, if I buy that they made some big adjustments, what I think is that the players made some adjustments. And I think from an individual yeah. standpoint, I think Tyree kill. And I think Jalen Waddle made an adjustment of like, yo, if we're getting pressed, we have to burn these guys like straight up. Um, and sometimes football just comes down to that. Just beat the guy in front of you. Right. And yeah. I felt like from a, I, I felt like from a performance standpoint, they didn't really let the DBs put hands on them. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle had that one long, uh, was it a touchdown or just a long pa- uh, catch? But either way, um, it was broken coverage, right? Like he found the seam and then found a, found a little spot, s- soft spot where the, the safety completely misread the situation and, and Waddle's up and out of there, right? So I felt like they still made individual plays to help, the, to help lift the offense, which is, again, it's not like, a, I, I lo- look, I love what Mike McDaniel is doing. 
I, and I'm not trying to take away from that. I, I, all I'm saying is that from a schematic standpoint, I personally don't feel like Miami took some huge leap or some big adjustment. I just felt like, man, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle are that damn good. Yeah, the only thing I'll say, um, you know, from like the passing standpoint, I think I agree with you that like we said on the show, it's not that Tyree Kill can't beat press man coverage and Jalen Waddle can't beat press man coverage. It's what where are you going to send those guys from a route perspective? And I think that no, not only did, you know, Mike McDaniel, because this was the thing in the Chargers uh, game. Still, still, despite the fact that the Chargers were clearly clouded in that middle of the field, clearly closing the, the middle of the field, most of the in-breaking routes were still Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. The outbreaking routes uh, were guys like Trent Sherfield, guys like uh, you know Mike Mike Gesicki, stuff like that. And two mm-hmm. is not going to like. I, I shoot, I don't blame him. Where's Where's ten? Where's seventeen? That's read one and read two on every single play. And right. then are you? But and then at the same time though, when those outside the number throws are there. Are you going to take them? Are you going to, you know, put your big boy pants on and try to rip that thing outside the numbers, stuff like that. And in this Buffalo game in week 15, he did. He threw 17 passes outside the numbers um, and he was 8.7 adjusted yards per attempt. Like that's, that's pretty good stuff, especially throwing to the right sideline, 10.1 adjusted yards per attempt on outside the number throws uh, to the right. Like, that's good. Again, that's great stuff. That's improvement. So, yeah, obviously. I do think it's a player thing. Of course, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle for sure. But it's like, all right, the guys that we're going to send on the outbreaking routes and beat these like middle of the, like get out of the middle of the field, let's put our best players there. And that I do think comes back to coaching. That I do think comes back to Mike McDaniel adjusting the offense to, you you want, you don't want to lose the potency, right? You don't want to lose mm-hmm. Waddle and, and Tyreek. So send some other, go- send Trent Sherfield over the middle of the field, you know, whatever. And, and if those plays yeah. are there, you know, to a, let it rip, but if not find 10 and 17 outside the numbers. And I think they did a good job of that in this, uh, in this game. And this is a defense that uh, Travis white definitely got taken advantage of a few times in this game. He doesn't look a hundred percent, which is no. not surprising. He's another late season ACL guy. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a good defense overall a defensive unit that we expect. So for two and these guys to come out and, and have this big game, I thought was impressive. All right, so we're moving on, man. Hey, a little bit of a longer podcast, but that's all good. Uh, great conversations here. And I, I actually am really looking forward uh, to having the Zay Jones conversation in a couple of uh, couple of days here. Uh, Matt Harmon's going to do the hard work, and, and I'm just going to ask the hard questions. That's all, that's all we're going to do. We're going to talk about Zay Jones. We're going to talk about some other players as well. And, of course, we'll try to provide uh, some fantasy analysis, some deep sleepers here for you. Um, as we approach the second week of the fantasy playoffs. But uh, we move on. Go to receptionperception.com if you want to see you know, some matchup data, if you want to see, of course, uh, in-depth breakdown of what Matt is doing as well. That would be wonderful. And if you could like and subscribe to the podcast as well, if you're just catching us on the news, that would be awesome too. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Kill. We'll see you.